A little background on me and why I'm here. My name is Steve Huber. I'm the lead pastor at Liberty Church East. I've lived in Philly since 1992. Five different neighborhoods in Philly. One in the Burbs. I live in Northern Liberties now for the past eight years. Uh, my wife and I and our, our family, we've been down the street from you. We've, uh, we live at Six and Girard. In 2002, I was one of the pastors that moved in the neighborhood of Fairmount before Liberty existed yet. And I was one of the pastors here and, and was there helping to plant this thing. So it's always exciting to be here. Have you ever been at a family reunion and one of your relatives freaks you out? Like someone comes up at a family reunion and says, I know you. I was there when you were a baby. I've been watching you grow. I know you. I'm excited about you. Okay, I'm that crazy guy for you guys. Okay? That's how I feel about you. You know, I I root for you. I'm excited about how you've been growing, what God's been doing. Uh, I'm that guy. April 1st and 2nd, all the Liberty Elders went away for the weekend and prayed through the weekend. We just prayed together. All the, the Fairmount guys, Center City guys, Liberty East guys, Jay Barbieri recounted for us some of Liberty's history and some of the doors that God had opened up in our history, how we had prayed and God had acted. Different elders spoke on different things. Glenn got us praying for the area, the region, and we prayed our way through that weekend. One of the things we're praying is for vision. It's been about 10 years since the Liberty Vision, uh, since we had the Liberty Vision. And I'm actually taking a sabbatical this summer. That's one of my prayers, this summer. God, give me and the other Liberty Elders, show us what you want to do. What is the next 10 years? What are our goals? And when you pray for vision, when you ask for vision, you're basically asking the question, God, what do you want? God, what do you want to do? This is a series on the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the coming of the Holy Spirit brings power. Those questions are related. Power for what? In verse 8, which Katie read, Jesus says, you will receive power. Well, power for what? So we're going to look at three questions this morning. What does Jesus want to do? What is Jesus into? What's his agenda? What's his purpose? What does Jesus want to do? First question. Second, what does that mean for liberty? I don't mean just this liberty, I mean all the liberties. And third, very personally, this is something for you to wrestle with, what does that mean for you? What do you need to take home, wrestle with, think about? What does that mean for you? So first question, what does Jesus want to do? Look at the text. It opens up in the first book, right? I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, O Theophilus. And this is really... Luke part two, the guy who wrote Acts, Luke, the doctor, he had an earlier book. It records Jesus' ministry, the things that Jesus began to teach and do. This is the continuation. The gospel, Luke, tells us that, you know, what what did Jesus do? Jesus' ministry, right? He had healings. God's power came into history in a new way through Jesus and touched everything that was broken. So in Luke, you read how Jesus stopped a funeral procession. A widow, her only son is in a box, 
Uh, she's going to be poor the rest of her life. She has no family, no social security, no safety net. And Jesus stops the funeral procession and says to the young man, get up. Jesus turns the world's brokenness and hurts everything that's upside down, right side up. And Jesus Christ, new healing power came into the world. And this was a message, right? In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus goes into his hometown and they hand him the prophet Isaiah, okay? He opens it up to the part about him and reads it. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In Jesus' words, a message, freedom for everybody is now possible. Freedom from sin, freedom from a screwed up, alienated relationship with God. In Jesus, a a gospel of freedom enters the world, right? It's a great name for a church, freedom. Liberty comes. Uh, Jesus came and was the center of that. So Luke is about what Jesus began to do and teach. Acts is the continuation of it. Sometimes people think, okay, Luke, that's about Jesus. It's about Jesus' life. Acts is about the church. Not really the best way to think about it. Luke is also about what Jesus is doing. Luke is about what Jesus is doing by his Holy Spirit through his people. And the message of Acts is that Jesus is continuing to do and to teach through his people. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's what the gift of the Holy Spirit is for what Jesus wants to do. What does Jesus want to do? To keep on doing what he's been doing. You know, he came to the world with healing power so people could be made new, so people could be forgiven, so that with deeds of love, with deeds of love, and Jesus wants that to continue through his people. Now, uh, a couple things on this. Uh, the first is, notice that uh, in the text there in verse 2, he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. These commands come through the Holy Spirit. That's basically saying this. Holy Spirit power, God power, is going to come to carry out a God plan. Holy Spirit power is going to come through a Holy Spirit-shaped plan. And as wacky as it is, God's plan involves his people, the church. It really does. You know, as, as wacky as the church can be, you know, it's good to see you here today. Maybe some of you, probably not, but maybe, if, you know, is the world going to be here today? I'm sort of glad it is. I'm a fan of that. Uh, there are some freaked out people who thought God was going to end it all. And a small minority, a very small little glimmer, a grain of sand when you look at the Christians around the world and how many Christians there are around the world. But sometimes maybe you are tempted to look at the church and think, God, really, is that your plan? 
And yeah, as wacky as the bride of Jesus can be, God's plan is to work through his people. Notice also the kingdom language. Look in verse 3. And Steve Smallman asked me to sort of focus on the first few verses of this chapter. Jesus spoke. It says he was speaking about the kingdom of God. These are sort of the bookends for the book of Acts. Have you ever seen a movie? You know, the same scenes in the beginning as in the end. So it's a literary device, right? In film and books. The bookends for Acts, in the first paragraph of Acts, and then the last, someone is speaking about the kingdom of God. In the first, you know, obviously here, it's Jesus speaking about the kingdom of God. Acts ends with Paul in prison, and yet it's a high note. You know why? Because the apostle Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God and was teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. What is Luke saying by that? Saying, it's not over. It's just beginning. What Jesus is beginning to do and teach right here in this moment, uh, it's just beginning, and it's going to get wildly bigger. It's going to continue. The kingdom is going to continue. John Lennon, Richard Dawkins, Voltaire. What do they have in common? What would they chat about if they had lunch? Which, of course, they're not going to have the chance to do. But if they had lunch, what would they chat about? Well, we all predicted and rooted for the demise of Christianity. They all predicted it's just going to go away. It's going to kind of fade off. And actually, it just hasn't happened. And it's not going to happen. Um if it, this is true, that actually it's God's plan for history. And you can see it not happening. Uh, I know Steve Smallman mentioned this last week, that around 300 million Chinese Christians, apparently in China, didn't get the memo that Christianity was supposed to fade away. And that whole section of the world, you know, think about Korea that has single churches bigger than a lot of American denominations. And they pray and they worship and they just do it. Uh, It's just beginning. Okay? What does Jesus want to do? He wants to continue what he's been doing. And it's a message to live out. It's a lifestyle to live out. Now, if it's not over, if it's just begun... Uh, What does this mean for liberty? It means that us, along with every, as a network of churches, along with every church, we are called to live, speak, and serve as the presence of Jesus. We are called to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus for for this region. That's not just like a single church's mission statement. That is, you know, however a church chooses to put it, and there's different biblical, biblical ways to put it. But that is the mission statement of every church. That we are God's people here now. We are to have on our hearts, our region, our area, humbly serve, pray, and live in such a way that we want more people to experience the freedom of God found in the gospel.
Uh, that's what it means. It means that uh, the 215 area code is to be on our hearts. It means we're called to serve in certain ways. We're going to continue to dream about how we can together serve. Let's just celebrate this win for a second. This is appropriate to do once in a while. I didn't have anything to do with it. The whole 1,000 meals in the city thing, I just watched. That's all I did. Prayed, root for it, clapped afterwards. Um, Every church had deacons and mercy ministry ninjas. You guys sent some of your finest. Thank you. They got together and and did this, delivered 1,000 meals, uh, gave away 1,000 meals, almost 500 of them, home delivered. Did you know that over 80% of the, the people that had a meal delivered to them said, would, would you like someone to come back and like pray with you or anything like that? Would you like, yes. Would you send someone back to talk to me about Jesus? Would you have someone from your church, a pastor, a leader of some kind, come and visit and pray with us? Some, you know, Give us what you got. Come minister to us. Over 80% of the homes. 90%, over 90% said, um, let me know what your church is doing. Let me know what other areas churches are doing. Let me know of other ministries in my area. Let me know of food banks. Let me know of all the churches that you can hook me up with. And please keep me in the loop on that. Why am I bringing that up? Okay, we are called to be Jesus' hands and feet and hug and serving hand with the meal in the city and in this region. And good deeds uh, cannot be hidden. You know, some good deeds you're supposed to do in secret. Other places, like in Matthew 5, Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know, we did it just to love people. We did it because it's right. We did it because it's the kind of thing that Jesus is into. It's what he commands. We did it to love hungry neighbors. I am just beginning to get, um, to feel the effects of what it's done to our relationship with the neighborhood. And I'm, I'm just talking about Liberty East in our community. People that were not into us being there. We're like, you guys are great. We love having you here. We love having you in the community. I know for Liberty Fairmount, too, uh, because of how you've lived out the gospel in this place, right, in the Brian Institute, other people, uh, the community has said, man, we want people to know about who you are and what you're about. Uh, different community leaders have connected with you. Good deeds cannot be hidden and we're actually called to seek to live and speak and serve as the presence of Jesus for the city and region. What else does this mean? Uh, I want to just put this out there. It does mean we are called and will seek to continue plant a whole bunch of churches. We're going to plant some more churches by God's grace. That's my prayer. That's the elders' prayer. That's what we're seeking. How many chapters... Are there in the book of Acts? Bible trivia time. 28. We're part of a church planning organization called Acts 29. It's a church planning network. 
Why is that called Acts 29? It's called Acts 29 because no matter where you're at in the world, what age it is, there's always another chapter. There's always another chapter being written, Jesus empowering his people to start new churches. And Acts is a church planning book. Uh, Different people groups connect to the gospel. It just sort of spreads. It takes off. Um, People are sent out. Teams are sent out. We want to continue to do that. Now, it it used to be uh, in the early days of Liberty, we didn't talk about Acts 29. Uh, I'll just give you this little bit of history. If you're, if you're, some of you will be really into this. Some of you are like, I don't care at all. But here it is. We didn't talk about Acts 29 in the beginning. Know why? Because there was only six churches a part of it. Who cares? We are the only uh, Acts 29 church in the Northeast United States. The only one in this whole region. Over nine years, it's exploded. There's a few hundred churches in the United States. There's several hundred more in development in the pipeline as we speak. Now, uh, when the Acts 29 pastors get together in the Philly metro area, there's 14 uh, different churches represented there. You've got Epiphany in North Philly, Epiphany in Camden, Doug Logan, City Church of Delaware, Jason Sika, whom you guys support, Seven Mile Road in Northeast Philly, Real Life Church in Bridesburg, Jacob's Well in New Jersey. How about this one? City Light in Roxborough. They're like moving this month. The end of this month, they're moving to begin that. And uh, another development, there is a group in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a Bible study praying that they would grow into a church plant. And they're really freaked out, as they should be. They're getting trained this summer to live missionally, and they're doing it. Living it out, serving it out, speaking the words of the gospel. And they just did this. They're calling themselves Liberty Harrisburg. Uh, We're not, look, we're not trying to start Starbucks. You know, it's not like, no, say Venti. It's not large, it's Venti. You know, will you say Venti? Here you go. You know, it's not like that, Okay. That's not, I was like, I don't care what you call it, you know, because they came to Liberty East elders and have asked for support, mentoring, guidance, some teaching. And so we said, yes, hey, we will do that. And so we have been doing that. We're going to continue to do that. And they just did that. They call themselves Liberty Harrisburg. We'll see what happens. Pray for them. Exciting things are happening. Um, It's, it's bigger than they thought and more different kinds of people are connecting it. Like, you know, everyone from a woman fresh out of jail to uh, really wealthy people. It's a, it's a crazy, like, wide bandwidth of the kind of people that are connecting with it. Pray for them. That prayer meeting today, okay, it was announced, and there's a lot of announcements, it was announced that Dwayne Davis is getting together a team of people who are going to have church planting on their heart for the 215 and for the region and who are going to pray and are going to be be leading this congregation to pray for what God wants to do in the starting of new churches. Please pray for Liberty Harrisburg and pray for these other church plants. We're going to uh, 
pick a number of churches to try to plant. That's one thing that the elders are going to pray through. And we'll probably pick a number that'll be a little bit obnoxious. It'll kind of like freak us out in proper ways. That will be like, you know, that will never happen. That is never going to, that is just, that will be silly unless God shows up. Unless God connects us with other friends. Unless we really get on our knees and ask God to work. And those kind of, of big goals, that's what happened with the 1,000 meals. Okay, last year it was 75. And literally someone was like, we need to pick a bigger number. A thousand's a bigger number. I think that's pretty much the only thought that went into it. I was like, a thousand's good. Let's do a thousand. And they needed $20,000 to be raised, and we raised twenty-two. dollars at like the last second, Liberty style, you know. That's Liberty style. That's the way we roll. Next year, we need to pick a bigger number and find some more things to give money to. We probably ought to like, you know, there's, it costs $15,000 to drill a well in Sudan with the World Harvest Mission folks, the way they're doing it. We probably ought to do at least 1,000 uh, meals and then a whole bunch of wells and pick a number that freaks us out. And we're actually like, wow, we have to really pray on that and see what God does. That's what we're going to do. Now, what does this mean for you? Um, maybe you're here today. You're like, look, I, I was coming to be encouraged. <laughs> uh, I'd like a better job. Could we pray about that? You, you've got some other needs. What does this mean for you? A, a couple things. Know this. When you connect with Jesus, he draws you into what he is doing. It's just what he does. How, how he operates. Jesus is like a tornado that he sucks you up into his purposes. And it's a little bit scary because you don't know where you'll be put down and the way the furniture will be arranged. And you can resist and hold on and try not to get swept up into it. But to really know the freedom of the gospel and to have the joy and peace explode in your life, you need to let go. And seeking a greater measure of the Spirit's influence in your life is connected to saying, Jesus, here I am. And what does that look like? It looks like wrestling with questions like this. How about this question? Here's a way to seek the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. Given who you are, and I mean your gifts, your talents, what you can do. Can you do computers? Can you, uh, uh, do you have a, a heart to serve this particular kind of person? Given your gifts, your talents, your experience, your heart, who you connect with, your stage of life. Are you recently out of college? Are you recently retired? Are you single? Are you married? Given all that, ask yourself, what's the best thing I can do for the kingdom of God? What's the best way for me to contribute to and be a part of what this community of Jesus is doing for God's glory in this city. Ask that question. What's the best thing you can do for the kingdom of God? Uh, that happens to be a John Piper question. John Piper is a, is a pastor. And reflecting on that question was one of the things that put me on the liberty journey myself. Ask yourself, what's the best thing I can do? 
some of you, uh, let me say this, some of you will be tempted to stress out that about that too much. Like, hey, I don't know what all my spiritual gifts are. I, don't, I need like a passion test of some kind before you can begin to do anything. Let me just give a little bit of advice on that. On your website, there's two, there's these two big buttons, right? There's the liberty and transition one. That's an important one, okay? It's good. Know what's going on there. Pray for that. There's also the liberty serves button. If you're not tapped into serving, go there. Do that. It's unhelpful to be like, imagine someone who wanted to become a soccer player and all they do is go to games and mentally picture themselves in the game and be like, what would I be good at? I wonder what position I would be. And they just mentally picture themselves in the game and they don't really, they don't get dirty. They don't get out on the field and like run around, kick the ball, get sweaty. They just mentally picture themselves in the game and think about themselves. You would say to that person, no, it's just time to get in the game. Jump in, love somebody, serve someone. Just help some things, help something out. Look at the world's problems and grab them by the nearest handle. Who's in your life to love? Just do stuff, you know? Do like the really practical, just serve. Be like, and be like, okay, these Christians are in, are in my life. I'm going to love them and encourage them. Who has God put in your life to love, encourage, to support? What opportunities are around? Jump in. Just jump in. What else does this mean? Okay? If we are called as a community to love, serve, and speak as the very presence of Jesus, it means that we're going to need a balance. We're going to need to remember that being a Christian makes you both a dreamer and the cynic at the same time. Here's what I mean. The dreamers amongst us will quote a passage like John 14, where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. It's an amazing passage, right? Jesus is before he's going to die. And he says to his disciples who are freaked out, look, it's not going to stop. You're going to do the things that I have done, and not just because they're apostles. He says, anyone who believes in me will do the works that I do. Okay? That's communal, but it's also, yeah, individually, we're, we're part of that. You matter. We live this out. And he says to pray twice in the passage. He says, ask me for things in my name. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. It's like he's anticipating, really? Yep, I said it again. If you ask me for anything in my name. So we're supposed to pray in a city, in in the 215, where the public schools are just jacked, right? We're supposed to pray. God, would you show us what to do about that? Would you please bring renewal there and show us as God's people how to rally around that. Show us when it's the right thing to start another school, you know, and that can be a really helpful way to go. When's it better to just rally around one that we all live near? Lord, show us. Would you bring renewal here? Would you shine light and goodness and truth 
Would you come and empower? Would you help? For kids who are going to grow up and have options limited because their school's messed up. Yeah, we pray in Jesus' name. It means with people who are caught in sin, with people who are addicted to gambling. We had to think about that one now, some new casinos in our town. Recovery ministry, people who are lonely. This means praying for individuals in Jesus' name. And being a dreamer, being a biblical dreamer, is dreaming about what God wants to do and praying it. Jesus acts like, look, I told you that I've wanted to do these things. It's mysterious, though, because he acts like it's dependent on us asking him to do what he wants to do. And he urges us again and again to pray. It's very mysterious. He commands us. Uh, David Harvey wrote a book on ambition. Pastor wrote a book on ambition. It's interesting. He has this quote, being a Christian is not a fabric softener for your ambitions, but a guardrail. Being a Christian is not a fabric softener for your ambitions, but it's a guardrail. It's not like, okay, you're a Christian now, and you don't want to do things. You know, if you're being a Christian now, now just be a little bit nicer, learn how to clap, you know, recycle. That's good. You know, just be a little bit nicer. No, we're supposed to have and commanded to have as a community and as an individual for your life dreams about our life and about our impact and about what we're called to be a part of. You know, passages like that, Jesus' words in John 14, that's there to stir us up, to freak us out, to say, well, we better pray. We better think about what we're called to do. And I know, now look, man, you guys are thinking that through. Now, with your connections here at the Brian Institute and where you're positioned here on the edge of North Philly, you're thinking that through. That's right. Be dreamers and have big God-shaped dreams. Now, the other end of that spectrum is the cynics. Christians are also cynics. And this is what I mean. The cynics come along and they quote passages like this. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. The cynics quote passages like this. Hey, remember Romans 8. We are still waiting for the day because the creation itself will eventually be free from its bondage to corruption, but now it's not. The cynics remind us the world's really jacked up, and so are you. And honestly, this is reality, that change in you and in the world will often be more painful and more slow than we want. That's just real. And yet, because God is in it, the end will be wonderful and glorious. My own story is sort of similar to this. I mean, just... I. I don't even know how to begin to describe being a pastor here at Liberty these past nine years has turned my life inside out. And there's been seasons where I've been lower than I ever thought I would. But on the other end of that is more joy and peace. And I'm different 
now. And I'm still being changed. And I still need to be changed. I do. And yet God has been so kind and good and faithful. And I'm just throwing that out there because it's sort of, well, it's kind of like some of the stuff in the Bible, which is a good thing to think about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, change, you, you will change. God will discipline his children. It will be hard. But on the other side of that is righteousness and peace. One thing you probably need to do, okay, some of you, the, the dreamers and the cynics make fun of each other, right? The dreamers say to the cynics, the dreamers say, oh, you of little faith, you're always complaining, you know. You're like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh, you know. Eeyore whose tail fell off. The, the cynics are always like, my joy fell off. My joy fell off. My peace. I still have this problem. It won't go away. You know, you're just like, you're just stuck, man. You just don't get it. You know, believe some promises. There's some truth to that. And the cynics look at the dreamers and mock them and say, look, you're so unrealistic. You know, you, you don't take seriously the fall that's in the Bible. You don't take seriously how messed up you are. You don't take seriously how messed up the world is. You know, um, where are you on that continuum? And how do you need to be balanced I find often probably like the community default mode for liberty in this, as part of this culture and as a community, we lean cynic. That's, a, that's more our default. We more often need to be told, no, Jesus is in it. It's, it's going to be okay. Um, let's pray hard. Let's pray big. God's grace is able. We need more often to be balanced by the dreamers. Dreamers can be prideful and unbelieving, and that's why they're unrealistic. Cynics can be prideful and unbelieving, and that's why they're kind of bummed out. Neither is faith. Neither is God-dependent faith. Uh, The fact is that God has called us to dream in the reality of the world's brokenness. And for us as a community... For you as an individual, you are called and invited to seek the Spirit's power that we together would be part of what God wants to do in this world for the glory of His Son. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together.